as we look at um, um, finding your people. We've been dealing with the idea of climbing the mountains of life. And we began looking at the things that you need to pack as you begin to climb these mountains. If you're going to be able to climb this mountain and summit it, the mountains that, that will come along our way, then there are some things that you need to pack as you go up that mountain. And we had started yesterday and the, um, the day before saying that one of the first things that you need to pack in that bag is honor. And you understand how to honor people, how to honor God, how to honor up, down, all around us and make sure that you are clothed with the spirit of honor. If you understand how to honor people, make sure there's no mountain, you're not going to be able to climb. And remember, when you're climbing your ma a mountain, you can only take so many things. You can only pack so many things into your bag. Otherwise, the bag becomes too heavy and you'll not be able to carry it into the mountain. You can also not just carry one thing. Because if you just carry, for example, you're going up the mountain and you only carry food, and you don't carry the warm clothing, you don't carry your tents. When you reach up the mountain, you're going to be you're going to struggle. And so it's important to make sure that before you start summiting the mountain of life, you've taken the things that are critical for you to be able to go up. And so what we are dealing with here are the things that are an absolute must that you need to make sure that you put in into this journey as you begin to climb up the mountain. And we saw that honor is one of those. And today, we want to pick up the second thing that um, you need to make sure you have if you're going to summit and climb the mountains of life, and that is finding your people, finding your people. And we'll drill, drill down, double-click on this subject uh, maybe in the coming days, but you need to find your people. If you look at all the mountain climbers, you'll never find someone who is doing this sole mountain climbing where you are picking up and saying, I'm going to climb this mountain alone. Mountains are climbed in teams. We saw that you already select a guide to be able to help you. Um, but in addition to selecting a guide to help you, you also find a, a group of people that you can go together and you can be able to summit this mountain. All hikers are known. Maybe some of you are here, you're involved in hiking. It's very rare you'll find somebody going to hike alone. Uh, it's not normal. You take people, like-minded people, you come up together, you plan together, and you decide to say, okay, well, let's now go out and summit. So you find your people. And the principle of finding your people, the question we ask is that where do you find them? If you, for you to be able to climb the mountain of life, you need to have people with you that you are taking along with you, that you are journeying, that you go to summit, that you go to climb together, like-minded people that you can be able to move and actually purpose to go and climb this mountain. This is important principle of life. You cannot cl go climbing mountains alone because if you get injured up there, there's nobody to call for help. There's nobody to carry you. There's nobody to nurse you. There's nobody to come down and report that something has gone wrong. And a lot of us are trying to climb mountains alone. And when we get injured up there, there's nobody to come and report that actually you've gotten injured. There's no one who can call the ambulance. There's no one who can call for help. And people get injured and they get buried in the mountains of life because they are tempted to scale and climb that mountain alone. And that's not how God 
has designed life. And so this morning is something I'm so passionate about because I believe it is something that is so profound. If you are to be able to climb the mountain of life, you need to find your people. And we find this in Psalms chapter 92, verses 12 to 15. I think it's one of the most profound scriptures that we have in the Bible. And the Bible says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. And so in this scripture, the psalmist introduces the idea that those that flourish in life are those that are planted in the house of God. He says, when you are planted in the house of God, in this case, the church, they will flourish in the course of our God. The church is God's plan, it's God's divine plan to give you the people that you need to be able to do life with. If you do, if you get planted in the house of God, and we talk about your planting, not just being aside, you say, if you get planted in the house of God, it says you will flourish. You will still bear fruit in old age. And he says you stay fresh and you stay green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So here the Bible introduces the, the idea that if you are planted in the house of God, you will be able to flourish. And the house of God is the one place where you can be able to find people that you can be able to scale any mountain that comes along your way. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, we'll also make reference to it, but it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And verse 24 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, that some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day is approaching. Again, here the writer of Hebrews brings out a very important concept, and it says we need to make sure that we do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. He says, but encouraging one another. And he says, and all the more as the day is approaching. And he's saying, let us spur one another toward love and good deeds. So so saying not only do we need to be planted in the house of God, but we also need to make sure that we don't give up the idea of meeting together like we are doing here every single morning. Because when we meet in the house of God and we make an effort not to give up meeting together, means we can be able to spy each other in love and in good deeds. And that is God's plan for us to be able to scale any mountain that will come our way. So let me begin by saying by saying this. Um, personally, I will not be who I am today without church and without the family and without the ministry that God has given unto us. I think I've said here at the beginning when we were leaving the university and um, our Christian Union chairman gave us advice and um, he gave us guidance and he called us in the final leaving, leave us party and, and he was giving us wisdom and he told us, guys, if you want to be able to stand out there for Christ, I want to give you a piece of advice. When you leave this university, I want you to go out there and make it a habit. As soon as you land in your hometown where you have chosen to go and stay, 
He said immediately, make sure by the next Sunday you have identified a church that you can call your home church. Make sure you've identified one church, one pastor, one ministry, one fellowship. And those words are as fresh to me as they were over 30 years ago as we stepped out of the university. And surely I found myself in Mombasa and I was able to go to and find a church. And I made an effort to say, you know, just one church and we committed ourselves into it. And today I stand here as a testimony that um, I will not be who I am today or where I am if I had not made this commitment of always being planted in the house of God. I made up my mind. I said, I will be planted. I will not just be, you know, a church goer. I will make sure that I'm planted. I'm involved in what is happening. I'm involved in it. The, the bad and everything that's tough, I'll be involved. And it has been a blessing. And I want to encourage you here this morning. This is a big principle for us. Make sure that wherever you are, you planted yourself in the house of God. You're not just dating church. You're not just an attendee. But actually, you are planted in the house of God. You are planted in the ministry. You are planted in the fellowship. You are planted in, you know, in the calling that God has led you to be. One church, one pastor, one ministry, one fellowship. Then it'll you'll be able to find people that you can be able to do life with. So as I said, I don't know what would have happened in my life if I had not been planted in the church. Um, you know, because it's there where I met brethren um, that we could do life with. I met brethren, men of whom we have stuck together, men of them who are here. We've been through so many mountains. We've, you know, we've been through so many valleys. We've been through so many heartaches. We've been through so many breakdowns. We've been just through every single thing you can imagine in life. But God has kept us going. And today we look back and we are so, so grateful uh, to how the Lord has been able to I want to encourage you that the people that you need to summit the mountains of life, the best place to find them is always in the house of God. And that cannot happen when you're not planted there, because if you're planted, you will flourish. Now, I know the church can spur all kinds of thoughts and feelings from great to good and to the ugly. And I don't know where you stand. Maybe you're here and you're saying, wow, you're talking about church. But every time you imagine of church and what church has done to you, um, you know, maybe it's, it's, it doesn't involve the best of thoughts or the best of feelings. There are those that are involved and there are those that are committed to the local church that they love. There are those who have given themselves to invest in the community. Uh, they have invested their time, their resources, their finances. And even and today they are reaping the benefits and the challenges of counting themselves in God's house. There are those in us here who are committed in our home churches. We are giving our in-time relationships. We are committed. We are giving our finances. And I, can, I know today you can testify that you have reaped the benefits. And also, not just the benefits, but also the challenges of counting yourselves one of God's house. But then there are also those of us who may be here and you are on the fence and maybe you're in the church, you are the first to, you are the last to come in, you are the, you know, the first to go out. And that's a season of, of your life. Maybe you have also never been engaged and so you don't know what you are missing. You've never been planted. You never made an effort to be, you know, totally invested. And so this morning, you don't even know what you are missing. But there's also, there's also the third group who may have never seen the value of church. And maybe you have also experienced pain and heartbreak in the very community they thought would be loving and a refuge. And this has happened to many people. 
where you committed yourself into a church, you committed yourself, you gave up your life, you gave your resources, you get your finances, and you are so heartbroken. People, you know, hurt you. They did things that you, they took advantage of you, and, and you are at a point where you, you sort of, you, you don't want to try it again. You know, I must start by saying, you know, if that has ever happened to you, the very community that was supposed to take care of you, the very community that was supposed to love and nourish you, you know, we can only apologize and we can say we are sorry for that. But I want to say that, you know what, you can find forgiveness and healing through your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because, as I say, the church is, you know, the church is not perfect. There is no perfect church out there. The church is a gathering of imperfect people. The church is a gathering of imperfect people. That's what the church is. And as you gather, as imperfect people gather, they will hurt one another. But also there's the great good that comes out of it. Those of us who have been planted in the house, we know there have been times when it has been difficult. There are times when people will chase you even away from the church. There are times they'll do, they say bad things against you. There are people, you know, say, you know, go behind your back, the very people you thought you love. Sometimes you will share with them your personal things, and then you know, people use it against you. You confide in somebody that you trusted, and, and then it goes back against you. And and you know, it's such a pain for you, it's so heartbreaking. But you must say, you know what, even with all that, there are still out there many churches that have integrity. And I can only pray that if you have not found one, you'll be able to find one very soon because God uses the church to bless you. But as imperfect as the church is, it is the vehicle that God will send people to be able to do life with you. If you hang in there, they are not perfect. They are perfect people. But if you if you would be just if you would be patient, if you would hang in there, you know, this the perfect environment. That God will send people that will help you summit any challenge that you'll not be able to find in life. And um, I just can only pray this morning if you have not, you know, found one. Um, there are many. There are still good churches out there. There are still men and women of integrity. There are still pastors that have integrity out there, despite everything that you hear. The church is still God's chosen instrument to be able to bless your life. And I want to encourage you. Maybe you have been hurt before. Find forgiveness. Find healing. Give it another go. You know, they, they are not perfect. Just give it another go. Try something else. Try somewhere else. Give the, the current people a chance and you'll be able to see what God is able to do for you. Recommit yourself. Give again your time, your resources. Get yourself planted and you'll begin to see yourself flourishing and there'll be no mountain you cannot be able to climb. And so this is so, so important. You cannot climb a mountain on your own. You need to have people that you are going to summit the mountain of life, and there's no better place to find them than in the house of God. Now, I have to say this, God has continually used imperfect people. If you look at the scriptures, whether it was Moses, whether it was Joshua, all the people that God used, you drip down in, you find they are tough, imperfect people. They had so many failures in their life. You know, but God is in the business of just using imperfect people. And so, don't look for perfect people. Just understand that God uses imperfect people to accomplish his own purposes. And even you are not perfect as well. And so when you live like that, you can be able to tolerate others. You can be able to honor them. And as you honor them, God will send you people in your life 
that you'll be able to scale these mountains of life and there'll be no mountain that will be so, so difficult that you cannot attempt to climb the mountain of life alone. There are so many skeletons. you find them along the mountains. People that are tempted to scale mountains of their own because when you have a challenge, when you fall down, there's nowhere to lift you up and there are enough, 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 enough animals up there to eat you up. The enemy wants to eat you up. And so when you're injured, try to climb the mountain alone, the enemy will just come in and surround you and kill you. And there'll be no one to defend you. Church is also not about a building. It's a lifestyle. You know, a church is a, on, a, on Sunday is a place and a time for believers to be refreshed and filled up so that we can have the strength to walk through Monday to Saturday. You know, the church is that environment where we get empowered, we get trained, we get refreshed. So like a Monday, like today, when we go to the office, we're going to be able to leave that which was preached over the weekend. Uh, we're going to be able to leave the lessons that we have been getting and live real life. And that's why we are doing this, um, you know, 20-day challenge. Church is the place you come and get your gas filled. That is just what church is, a place you come and get your gas filled. And I believe over the weekend, you have gotten strengthened, refreshed, refilled, and you are ready to face the mountains that will come your way between now and Saturday. And you go back again on Sunday and you get refilled in Jesus' name. Say amen to, amen to that. Now I want to just um, make reference again to, um, you know, to, to Psalms chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to 15. It says, wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse and who have left the straight paths to walk in Dark ways. In verse 14, it says, Who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. A healthy church that's dedicated to worshiping God, seeing about Jesus, to discipling people through the word of God, and to make an impact in the city is, you know, is, is able to restore wisdom into people's lives because there's so much lack of wisdom. If you look at what is happening alive and around and it's captured in Psalms 2, verses 2 to 15, it says wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. And the church is God's tool that he uses every Sunday to pump wisdom into our lives so that we can be able to walk in a, in a, in a world that is completely, completely um, messed up. We need the wisdom of God's word. And that's why we invest so much time and effort here, even in this fellowship, to make sure that we get wisdom for life. Things that we can be able to use every single day as we go into our, into our, into our offices every single morning. And um, as we read in Hebrews chapter 10, 23, 25, where we said, um, you know, when we meet together, I said that, that we are being challenged. Let us not give up the habit of, let us not give up meeting together. Because when we meet together like here, we are meeting every morning. Number one, it helps us 
to all on fast unto our hope. We have our hope in Christ. When we meet together like here, uh, in the house of God, in a fellowship, in a ministry like this one, where we meet every single day, we are able to help each one of us to all fast unto our hope. We are also able to encourage each other to stay on the path of Jesus Christ. Where, where When we meet every day in the house of God, in the fellowships, we are able to encourage each other to stay on the path of Jesus Christ. If you isolate yourself and you stay alone, you if you if you don't come together, if you are, don't come together, you will not be able to take on the path for Jesus. It builds us up to move the gospel forward throughout the week. And we of course we cannot stay in the four walls of the church. There are around six billion people across the planet who are not yet entrusted their hearts and lives to Jesus. There are still 6 billion people out there who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we cannot stay in the house, in the four walls of church. We get equipped, we meet together, we get uh, united together, we renew hope in him so we can be able to go out there and actually fulfill his purpose, which is reaching out to the other. And so this morning, I want to summarize by saying, as we climb the mountains of life, the most important thing, Make sure you've got the right people around you. And where do you find them? You find them in the house of God. And how do you do that? By being planted in the house of God, where your Bible says you will flourish, you grow, you make a difference, and God is going to use you. He's going to send you people to be able to journey throughout the you know throughout life. You need people around you, and there is no better way than finding them in the house of God. But how do you do that? By being planted. And so this is so, so important because we are living at a time when people don't want to make commitments. You find some of them, they're in this church this weekend. Next weekend, they're in another church. The other weekend, they're in another one. They're in this ministry today. Next month, there's another ministry. And so you are completely infecting. The Bible talks about being planted. And I want to encourage all of us here in this ministry that one of the key fundamental principles of our ministry, you need to be planted in a home church where you are serving, you are engaging, you are serving God's purposes so that when we meet together in the ministry, we are serving God and taking the gospel forward. Uh, you know what? We are all coming from churches. We are absolutely planted. Mm -hmm.